2: Welcome into the latest episode of the five reasons podcast. I'm Ethan Skolnick here as always with Chris Whittingham. Now that you've found us, make sure that you hit the subscribe or follow button on your favorite podcast provider. Also check out the other 13 podcasts in our network. Our most recent was actually a teammate and a favorite passing partner of this next guest. Uh, when they played together for the Dolphins, Chris Chambers is hosting a podcast in our network on fitness and performance. That'll be with Shay Tab and Zach Duarte. Every Monday, first full episode is out next Monday. So he's going to whip our asses and the network into shape or something along those lines. Anyway, we've got a special episode. This was not a planned episode as we came into the week. But we found out that Sage Rosenfels would be home alone tonight. And we decided that we wanted to give him some company. And also, I saw what he dressed as on Halloween. You go to his Twitter feed, at Sage Rosenfels18, Sage at 40. He is a purple Teletubby. And so we welcome in Sage <laughs> Rosenfels to the podcast today to do what was originally supposed to be a very serious podcast about politics, but I'm not sure it's actually going to get there. But Sage, thank you for joining us tonight.
1: Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, can I swear <laughs> on this thing? I was, yes, well, was going to yes, ask you. That you first? Okay, because I'm probably going to swear. So here's, <laughs> here's the deal. You brought up Chris Chambers, which I'd love to see Chris Chambers uh, next time in South Florida, he was a great teammate. I, I loved him as a teammate, and he was a great receiver. Probably one of the more ath- just just naturally athletic, uh, crazy, rangy guys. But uh, his nickname was C. Murder, and I have no idea why. I think Ray Lucas gave him that nickname. Uh, but C-Murder was uh, was something else and a great team, and I want to listen to that podcast next week.
2: Well, Sage, actually, I believe, okay, and you're as white as I am, but uh, I believe that that was a rapper at the time, and I think that's how... Chris got the nickname, and how Ray gave him the nickname. So I believe that's where that came from.
1: Somehow this is going to turn into a Morlon Greenwood podcast. I think.
2: <laughs> There's a blow reference. The, blow the skylines out of proportion. Uh, that, was, that, that was the name of the song. I actually went to. I, w- I went to a recording studio. We're off track already. I went to a recording studio with Morlon Greenwood, actually in in, uh, in South Miami, where he was recording his first album before he had a tackle in the NFL. Those. Those were uh, those were good times. That was- I feel
1: like even the, like most of the Dolphins fans, are like, who are they talking about? Because we're talking <laughs> about like a very specific era in in like the you know the the, the what sixty years of Dolphins history or whatever it's been. So uh, yeah, well, I feel like Morlon
0: Greenwood is one of those anonymous names from like that sort of associated with the Dolphins' failure to get any good players. Oh, remember Morlon Greenwood? He played a lot and wasn't any good. <laughs>
1: You know, you know the the Dolphins. Though they were smart enough not to pay him, I'll give him that. Right? I mean, sure. he wasn't a bad player, but when he came up, the the Texans gave him a huge contract, and and uh, Morlan went and made his money. There, Ultimate. That was his uh, rap yes. name, I believe.
2: Yes, yes. he went he by was, Ultimate.
1: Was he Jamaican?
2: Ah, uh, yes, yes, he was Jamaican.
1: But he he was, was like Jamaican with with a lisp. Yes. Like sort of, <laughs> i'm not even trying to be mean oh, like, no. that's like, to that key, right? like that's a i know that is some combination no that's yeah. true he actually
2: performed at a reggae festival that i believe was at broward i think it was at the broward's uh, center for the performing arts or something along those lines that i went to um yeah he was big in that game but i, I don't remember a lot of ethan Do you ever get sent in any good assignments uh, no, I got sent to the Dolphin game today, Chris. That's not a good assignment. By the by, the way, we, we're not going to talk that he, much football he, he on the pod. You didn't,
1: didn't get sent to India. Levitar, got that story because he worked for the Herald. <laughs> that's
2: right. That's that's, that's it. exactly that's that's how that works. No, I got sent to a game today, stage, and we're not going to talk too much football today. But I got sent to a game today where the Dolphins somehow won thirteen to six, even though they went three and out on their last four possessions. And they had seven first downs for the entire game, which is the second fewest they've ever had in a win in their history. The fewest was six against the Jets a few years ago, 2010, I think. So that's I will say I will say two
1: two things to this, by the way. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, I was with David Carr one time. I was actually an IR and I was home, but I was with him. And we got a win in Oakland and he had negative yards passing. He had a Get win out with here. negative, yeah, negative yards. Pat Ron Dane ripped off like a long run or something like that. Negative yards passing. And I will say this: we're going to talk about my quarterback play. I wasn't always good, but I always made it interesting. And we did. I never was in these like shitty thirteen to six games. It was like, say, so was three touchdowns and four interceptions. <laughs> it was interesting. Like the shit was fun. He may have got him down by three touchdowns, but he brought him back. You know, it was a good game at the end. And anyway, we. We could talk about my Buffalo game. That's probably why I have such uh, admiration for for Chris Chambers.
2: Yeah, no, I do remember the Buffalo game. I also remember the first Baltimore game. We won't talk about that one quite as much, but I, first I, play
1: I, though, eighty uh, like an eighty-yard uh, touchdown to Chambers. So yeah, and then that yeah. went downhill from there. I don't, no, see, any, did. I don't yeah. see
0: any negative yards passing in the career game logs of David Carr. No, not David Carr.
2: Derek the, the uh, Oh, David Carr. Yeah, it yeah, was, it was David Carr. Carr. Yeah,
0: I'm, I'm look I'm, I'm on his football reference page. I don't I don't see any negative passing. I think yards if passing. you
1: included sacks or something in it or oh, whatever okay. actually ended All up right. being. Right. Yeah, so, it was I'm it I'm going really to spend bad. the whole
0: podcast on football reference to see if I can yeah, find it. Yeah,
1: maybe it was 5 yards. Check Oakland 2006. That's the Okay, uh, I
0: have a a Houston uh, Indianapolis game in 2005 where he had 48 passing yards and 42 yards after being sacked.
1: No, 2006. Okay. Yeah, maybe In 2006. We had a sort of win at Oakland, and uh, it was an u- it was an ugly one. So right.
0: he, okay. He, oh, yeah. you know what? You're right. Seven of fourteen for 32 yards
1: five
0: sacks and for 37 yards negative five yards passing and somehow houston was able to manage 23 points
1: in the midst of all this how did this happen we had like a, had like a fumble recovery yeah. touchdown oh, and yeah, like you, a you, special teamer you had, uh, had, you, had on, uh, you, you had a 58
0: 58 yard uh fumble return for a touchdown uh wally lundy had a 3-yard yes. rush. I don't know who that is. And then Chris Brown kicked th- three fourth quarter field goals to win 23-14. Not only negative 5 passing yards and a multi-score victory.
1: Yes, and I think here's the deal like they we they would get the ball. We would get a turnover on like the 5-yard line like we're literally going to get 5 yards and we kick like a 50-yard field goal. <laughs> I mean, it was incredible.
0: <laughs> you uh the 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 Houston Texans had two interceptions of Aaron Brooks on the day. And forced, uh and it's he forced three fumbles.
1: Yeah, Aaron Brooks. Yep. Good times. Times. He, he, Aaron Brooks was from like Newport News, wasn't he? Like an Iverson. Uh, oh, that's Percy right. Back of the woods. Yeah. That's that.
2: That's right. That's right. All right. So this is something for Adam GaSe to aspire to: negative yardage, uh, and to still somehow to win a game because that's the direction. So I've got one football question for you because uh, Chris knows this is all I've been focused on for the last twelve Dolphin games, and then we're going to move to politics and other things. The Dolphins have Chris knows where I'm going with this. The Dolphins have not scored a point on their last 12 first drives of the game, their last 12 first drives of the game, no field goals, no touchdowns, how incompetent, do you need to be as a play caller and a coach for that to happen? I'm not loading this question up at all.
1: Well, <laughs> here's my thing is I I I think you guys understand. And and Ethan, I know you definitely like cover multiple sports. Uh, you know, and, and you know, you're I always thought you were a dolphin guy. I didn't realize you were more an NBA guy until until all the heat stuff uh, with LeBron or whatever. But anyway, I'm uh, a
2: bandwagoner, Sage. I'm a bandwagoner.
1: You do realize, and no offense to Spolster, I'm sure he's a hell of a coach. But in the NFL, coaching is so much more important than any other sport and definitely more important than basketball. And, and you see that with those opening drives. I mean, as you saw, the Packers, uh, who are moving the ball, right? Uh, uh, New England, who went right down and scored. And you see the Saints today, went right down and scored. Those are the best offenses in football. That's coaching. Uh, you know, they, they've got great quarterbacks and whatever, but the fact that all those guys can consistently have a, you know, know what you're going to get in the first drive of the game formation to get the ball in your playmakers hands and, and just execute, uh, you, your way down the field, these good teams do do it. I think it's all coach. I think a lot of it's coaching.
2: Well, Kansas city during those same 12 games. Okay. And I know people are going to say Mahomes is great and whatever, but people didn't know Mahomes was great. Okay. From the very beginning. Last twelve games, first drives, Andy Reid's teams have put up sixty-one points. Sixty-one points. The Dolphins have none.
1: Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, I, so this I, is what I'm trying to say at Baltimore, seventy-seven yard touchdowns, first fucking play of the game. I was pretty psyched about that. You know who my? You know who my coordinator was that game?
2: Uh, we've discussed this before. You asked me this on the last podcast, and now I've forgotten
1: again. Okay. Chris, Chris Forster. Chris, Chris Forster. That's right. Chris Forster. Did you know who my quarterbacks coach was? Who just got fired, by the way. Um, Mark, Haley? Tre- Mark, Mark Trestman. Trestman. Uh, Yeah, Mark Where did Trestman. he get fired? Yeah, Mark Tressman. Uh, Tur- T- the Toronto Argonauts won the Canadian uh, the CFL Championship last the year. Cup. The Grey Cup. Uh, and then he got fired this year. So, oh, wow, yeah, I like Tressman as a coach. I liked smart guys. He was definitely a smart guy.
2: Well, he should have been the head coach of the Dolphins during that period of time, I believe. We'll get back to Sage Rosenfels here in a second. But first, I want to tell you about a great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that is Bet dsi.com we've been telling you about it for weeks you've got to use the promo code you can still use this code it still works reason 101 that's reason 101 and you will get your initial deposit matched up to twenty five hundred dollars now football season down here not going exactly as expected especially for one of the two teams but you've got the odds for this week chris
0: Yes, the Miami Dolphins go into their away game against the Green Bay Packers. You can watch it with us at Uncle Al's, by the way. They're nine-point dogs going into that game, despite being above 500, and despite the Packers being below 500 after losing on Sunday Night Football, and then the Miami Hurricanes after another loss at home. I think Duke were uh, more than a one-score underdog. I hope you took the money line on that. Georgia Tech uh, is the next game for the University of Miami. It's in Atlanta, and the Hurricanes are four and a half-point dogs going into that one. Four and a half point underdogs against Georgia Tech. You would not have had that ahead of the season. But again, you can bet
2: all this and much more over at betdsi.com. Be sure to use the promo code Reason101. And Chris, as you're mentioning, you can watch that Dolphin game against the Packers. I don't think I've ever seen a line that was that high for a home team with a losing record against a road team with a winning record. But I think there's two things at play here, Chris. One is people don't think that the Dolphin offense is very good. And two, we're hosting a watch party and we're 0 for five <laughs> in watch parties. So I think the information gave out went out to the smart money people on this one. We're hosting a watch party at Uncle Als in Sunrise. Now we want to be very clear. There are two Uncle Als, and you should frequent both of them. But the one that we're going to be at is the Uncle Als in Sunrise. This is the new location, 100. 3-3 Sunset Strip now the game has been moved to a four fifteen start now we're going to be out there starting at about three o'clock maybe even earlier so make sure that you come out because we're going to have dedicated specials food specials drink specials we will have giveaways and we'll have a bunch of hosts we've had a good time at all five of our previous watch parties even though the South Florida teams have lost all five games and the other good news here is Whittingham won't be there till after halftime because he's got to do the halftime show for <laughs> W is that good news well, I don't know because you're so dour at these things. You just, you're just <laughs> Oh, come on. You're just expecting the worst. But you <laughs> make sure that you get out there before 4.15 because you have to watch the Dolphins go three and out on their first Adam Gay drive. So come out to <laughs> Uncle Al's and Sunrise. <laughs> I'm the dour one? On Sunday. And now back to Sage Rosenfels. All right, I want to move to this because otherwise we're never going to get to it. So, so basically you have decided, okay, and look, uh, you know, I understand that some people get upset about me putting some politics out. You know, I, I try to avoid it um, on the Five Reasons account. When I do it, I get sort of a slap on the wrist from people in the network, so I try to avoid it as much as I can. I do it a lot on my Facebook page because that's a little bit more of a sort of a sealed environment. Um, but you are a public figure still, okay? And you have been open about politics, and you have gotten backlash from it. And I'm just wondering because we have the, we have an election coming up on Tuesday, and we're not telling anybody here on this network how to vote. Okay. We just are telling people to vote. Okay. To go out and vote, participate in the process. And I was having a conversation with Kenny Stills today. And I think we know where Kenny Stills' leanings are. But Kenny Stills has also walked the He's a the DeSantis talk. guy, right? Yeah, he's a huge DeSantis guy. <laughs> Kenny Stills. Uh so but he he's <laughs> right. But he he's been out there uh you know he's talked to people he's worked with you know local police he's worked with local fire he's worked with the community um and i asked him what he's doing on tuesday and he's he says he's getting buses and vans together and he's getting people to the polls like that's what he's doing on his tuesday you know nfl teams have tuesday off and that's what he's doing with his off day and i find whatever political side of the spectrum you're on i find that admirable that that's what he's decided to do on his off day but clearly Kenny Stills gets backlash for it. Like, you know, when Kenny Stills doesn't score touchdowns, you go into his mentions, and there's a lot of people who may be on the MAGA side of this who think he's focusing too much on politics or this or that or whatever. You're not playing anymore, but you still get the backlash. When did you decide you were okay with the backlash this was going to come from it?
1: Uh, Well, after I retired, I counted how much money I had. I figured out how much investment and money I was bringing in every month and all these real estate deals that I'd had. Uh, done. I, I knew what my budget was. And at one point I realized I had fuck you money and I didn't give a shit what people (laughs) thought about what my politics were. Uh, I don't have to work for anybody. I don't need anybody's money. Uh, I don't need to, I don't need to have a job. Um, everything I do is because I want to do it um and i think this is really important it's how i was raised i was raised by uh parents who i would call them sort of activists they were definitely protesters during the civil rights movement in vietnam uh and uh yeah and i and so that's that's why i do it uh you know i'm not listen if, if espn doesn't hire me to, to call college football games I'm living in Omaha, Nebraska. I'm raising my three kids, uh trying to uh, you know, do as much as I can and I do try to work. I do a lot of work actually. I'm pretty dang busy. Um but for me uh, it's worth it. I think that uh, one. I get to. It's probably worth it for me just uh, therapy-wise. I get to speak my mind, and I'm sure sometimes I say some dumb shit. Uh, and sometimes I learn about certain things when I when I make comments and people come back with an interesting response. I go, "Huh, that's interesting. I never had thought about that." Um, Twitter to me has been a sort of a place to you know sp- speak your mind, have an opinion, make a comment about uh, shit that you see, which I find is absolutely unacceptable uh, uh, in this country. And life's too short, and I want to sleep well when, when I go to sleep and, and not have regrets. And, and uh, I think it's a really important time. I think this shit is unprecedented. I thought well, what was going on with Obama uh, when he was president, though no, no president is perfect. Uh, that, that was the worst eight years in the history of our country is what I heard from people. Like, what world are you living in? And now that everything is just great, because our you know our unemployment's low, like and everything else is just great. You know, we have synagogues being blown up, and we have people being put uh, basically being separated from their parents just to prove a point. We've got a total political stunt going on here. The stuff that's happened the last two and a half, three years to me uh, is unacceptable. And if people don't want to follow me on Twitter, fine. I don't really care if people don't want to, you know whatever, listen to me on the radio or read my articles in The Athletic that I write once a week, I don't really care. Um, I enjoy doing those things. And, and again, I, I just think for me, it's too important. And I'm, I feel very fortunate that I have a platform, though not as big as Drew Brees is or, uh, or Peyton Manning's or Tom Brady's or even Kenny Stills is right now. But whatever platform I have, I'm going to use it to try to sort of better the causes that I feel like are important. And and those causes aren't for me to, you know, make more money and, and for rich people like me to pay less taxes. That's for damn sure.
0: I think one of the things that is a detractor for people using social media is a lot of people don't like what ends up happening in their replies, right? That, and I've I've said this that I just don't think humans were prepared for a steady barrage of people telling you you're wrong and you're an Uh idiot, and here's why. I, I just don't think we like humanity. The human brain was not prepared for. It's sort of immediately accessible response to everything that you're doing. I guess, how do you take it on board and what have you made of it since you started becoming politically active, at least on social media? Because I feel like that's the number one reason why people don't.
1: Okay. So um, I was a quarterback. I was a backup quarterback. I've been taking criticism my entire life, instant criticism on how I did, what I did, what I was thinking, and did I do it right or wrong? And usually, there's always constructive criticism you know I mean there's always something you could have done right so to sit there and have people you know throw shit at you sometimes again sometimes I actually learn things and sometimes uh, I, I I don't care what people say when they say shitty things about me i I really don't it, it doesn't bother me uh, I accept what my career was I had some really good games I had some bad games I played for 12 years, wasn't the greatest quarterback in the world. And I wasn't, uh, and I wasn't the worst either. And, and I, I, worked hard. I came from a small, small town and, uh, I guess I beat the odds. And, and so, yeah, I, 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 can accept, uh, sort of what my life situation, what it is, and I can accept, you know, whatever criticism people give me. I also, and this is, you guys want to hear a secret about Twitter. What's nice. And when I do these things is that I get to choose which person to respond to, mm-hmm. And if you come at me with a um, just a total asshole comment, and there's like, fuck you, are a fucking asshole, and you're a liberal, and you're a whatever, I'm not gonna like get the outside. That's gonna work me up. If anything, I'm just gonna make a nice comment to you, like blessings to your family, because like it just shows how much of an asshole you are. Like there's nothing constructive about what i do i also then i also get to do this i when people come at me and they like spell things wrong or they do the y-o-u-r thing and say Uh, you are an asshole and they write y-o-u-r i'm like oh this fucking guy is gonna get it you know what i mean (laughs) so there's a nice thing within all that too that you get to play with people a little bit i think people you know people who like me like me and people who don't like me don't follow me and that, you know, or they do follow me because they still like me enough because they probably think it's thought provoking provoking or they just sort of like me for my football takes and I, I probably have, you know, my football takes are like on Saturdays and Sundays and a little bit here and there. And then during the week, it seems like it's, you know, it's politics because that's what people are, you know, they'll flip from ESPN to, to CNN or Fox News or whatever tomorrow. And uh, and talk about what the what the hell Trump said last night, you know, at three o'clock in the morning.
2: Yeah, my favorite part of the your thing is when you get the your stupid one, and, and with the why <laughs> the why you are stupid. Um, those are those are always the best. That those those come in quite a bit. I have on my Instagram account. You know, I mostly are pictures of my four-year-old. Um, but I, you know, I've decided on my Instagram account because it is a little more open than my Facebook. You know, that I'm going to post basically, you know, the, the most the political tweets that catch my eye, essentially. Uh, and I post them on my personal one. And like, there's this one guy, and, and I, sw- I mean, sorry, he just sits there all day long. I, he's he's a Dolphin fan, and and I, I will say, Sage, this is more of a Dolphin fan thing than a Heat fan thing. Um, I, you know, for sure. And he just
1: well, listen, hold on the NFL, all the the fan base is the NFL. There's a reason this whole anthem thing. Oh, I know is different between the two leagues. I mean, it's a different. Uh, what's the phrase? It's a different demographic. Let's yes. just say that. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yes, and there, there's this one guy who lit. I mean, he just stalks my posts all day long, and he's he's always the first to comment. And, some, and there are always six grammatical mistakes in the first two sentences uh, with a bunch of things spelled wrong. And I've kind of let him live, Sage. Like, I, you know, I decide, am I going to block him? Am I not going to block him? But I've kind of decided that I enjoy him posting there because basically what happens is as soon as he posts, there are 20 people who follow me for the right reasons who, who just – sick him immediately and
1: oh yeah oh, so you got hound dogs you're like, you're, hound- like clay, you're like clay travis of, <laughs> of the, of my,
2: <laughs> right well on the opposite side of that spectrum yeah. because, because i you know clay uh, if you recall the day that kaepernick um you know the day that kaepernick was signed by nike and nike stock went down briefly and i bought it by the by the boatload, basically. Um, but but when, when it went down that day, and Clay said it was the worst decision that a company had ever made, uh, since that date, I looked at it yesterday, it's exactly two months since they made that announcement. Uh, the Dow is down 4.4% and Nike's down 2.7%. So yes, Nike's down, but it's down less than the rest of the Dow, basically. Well,
1: that is obviously not the worst decision ever made. I think if you think about it, you know, the, the United States is 320, 350 million people. The world is over 7 billion and the other 6.7 billion – you know, probably would agree with that commercial more than the, you know, whatever the percentage of the United States is of the 320, 350 million.
2: So tell us what you're doing, because that one of the reasons we want to get you on the pod today again is because you've taken a very active role. And and look again, we don't want to get overly political on the podcast, but I, I feel like most sane people are against Steve King. Like, I, like, I mean, you can have a debate on policy on a lot of different things, but if you're not familiar with Steve King, Um, You know, he is he's you're from Iowa. Um, You went to Iowa State, uh, obviously. So you're familiar with the politics up there. Steve King's been in Congress a long time. And Steve King just says a lot of racist things. I mean, there's I mean, even if you have a debate about whether Trump says racist things, which to me is not a debate at this stage, but I know some still want to debate it. Like Steve King is a whole nother level. Above that, so how have you decided to put your name behind this? Because I think this is instructive for other athletes or former athletes on how they can do it.
1: So Steve King has been there for. I grew up in Eastern Iowa, which is definitely more purple, if anything, and maybe even a little more blue than Western Iowa is very red. Steve King's been the rep there, and there's four um, districts. I guess they call them four districts in Iowa, and he's the the rep of the fourth district, um, and he says I would call them they're less ambiguous, uh, like Trump's ambiguously racist and Steve King's just a little more like, Oh, like that seems pretty racist. Like we can't have other people's babies or these weird sort of things. Um, he retweets things from, uh, um, these, um, Eastern black, Austrian, like literally like the KKK of Austria, uh, the white nationalists of Austria or the Nazi party of Austria. Um, he will retweet things from them and um he wins by 20 30 points uh every single time and this year he is uh in a basically a dead heat with a guy who's a former athlete he's 38 years old his name's jd schulton and he and i have been talking for i don't know six to nine months maybe almost up to a year uh about that he was gonna you know run against him and and uh he's gonna have a chance to win i think yeah, I, I saw he won the primary or whatever and and um he's got a real chance to beat him. So he's a, he's a former athlete. He played baseball in minor leagues in Europe, uh, moved to Seattle and, and, you know, end up running. He's from there and ended up wanting to move back to Iowa, be around his family, raise his kids and, and run again. This show is sponsored by better help. What's the first thing you do.
2: If you had an extra hour in your day, go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami heat game. I've got a better idea. To get ten percent off your first month, again, that's BetterHelp H E L P dot slash Miami Heat.
1: Steve King, and uh, uh, it's it's a it's going to be a, it's a really going to be a really close battle. And tomorrow uh, on Monday, I'm driving over to Ames, Iowa, and I'm going to do a basically a campaign, you know, like that the the Obama speech the other day at, uh, with with uh, that you went to Ethan. Uh, I'm going to do something like that on a much, much smaller scale at the university library uh, uh, tomorrow and try to get, you know, these college kids who it's, it's, it's their freaking country. You know what I mean? It's going to be their country for the next 40 years or whatever. They're going to get these jobs and they should start, you know, taking, taking uh, uh, advantage that they're going to be running this country. And, and I'm trying to get as many kids to vote um, and, you know, probably give my speech as to why people should vote for JD Schulten instead of Steve King. Um, and, uh, yeah, hope and hopefully it, it helps. That's all I can. That's one of the things I can do. Use my f- platform as an Iowa state grad. Uh, people seem to respect me there. People seem to like me there. Uh, you know, I get invited back to the games and I call a couple of games and I work for the school a little bit here and there. Um, and, uh, you know, people, Sort of think I'm a little bit of a hero, I think, even in Iowa or whatever. So, anyway, you know, I'm going to use that platform and use that fame that I have uh, to try to help this, this guy win this election. One, I really actually just do like the guy and what he stands for. Uh, he's everything you'd want as an Iowa politician. Um, he's not this overly, you know far to the left, you know, whatever, San Francisco liberal, if you want to call him that. He is like a Midwestern. uh, He's all about farming and the family uh, and this, that, and the other. And, and I mean, and at the very worst, anybody would be better than Steve King.
0: Right. And, and I, I that, that's definitely like sort of one of the five people in Congress that's just like the, the sort of the bottom of the barrel in terms of people like people in the Republican Party don't even want to associate with this guy. But I, I guess sort of why why this venue, why why a college campus and uh, certainly young people in terms of politics have become a huge focus because, as you said, it's their country and they have not really participated in democracy. Do you anticipate, uh, and I'm not, I'm not I'm not asking you to be Chris Matthews or anything, but do you anticipate that there will be increased participation from people in Iowa because all of a sudden, and, and this is happening in Texas too, where people just people in various states just think that there's no chance of a blue candidate winning, and so they just don't even bother. Do you think that people, now that they see that this is a close race, will bother?
1: Well, yeah, I hope so. It, it does seem like that. I saw some numbers the other day that in a lot of different states the, the pre election day, uh, you know, voting has been up, you know, 200, 300 percent, you know, already over like the entire totals uh, of some of the stuff, uh, uh, you know, from the last midterm or a couple of midterms ago. So, uh, yeah, I think that's the thing. You know, young people vote at like a 20 percent clip. I mean, it's incredible. 20 percent clip. And, you know, the reason a lot of our policies are trying to make old people happy is because who by the way, old people don't like change they, they're uncomfortable with it so of course they would be wanting things to be like the way they used to be you know when the world was simpler uh and young people just they have all these other things going on and and they don't realize how important it is and, and really how much power they have uh you know i just like the nfl players are probably just realizing now that they've got more power Uh, And NBA players are also seeing that LeBron out, you know, people have more power than you realize. And I think we got these young people to really uh, uh, understand, like, do you like what's going on in Washington right now? I mean, does this seem fun to you? It doesn't seem fun to me. Uh, It doesn't seem fun to, you know, I, my, my dad's side of the family is Jewish. Like this shit fucking sucks, you know, and uh, you have a chance to do something about it or we can let the assholes win like that's the way I look at it um, and and it's uh and i, I hope they, I hope they do do something about it. I hope that they that generation uh, is different than you know the the oldest generation that there is right now, which i I think is is i don 't know i don 't know why that they' they think the way they do
2: all right, so final one on this um, so you 're in an NFL locker room. And we know the way NFL locker rooms work. And and typically, you know, I found that the politics kind of split two ways and it splits racially a lot of times. Uh, it, so it's, it's always struck me that white NFL players are very conservative. Typically your offensive linemen, a lot of your quarterbacks, et cetera. Whereas African-American, uh, NFL players tend to be more liberal I mean that's the way it splits but it seems really split in NFL locker rooms so were people I I wouldn't
1: think tend to be I would say I probably found very few Mm -hmm. if any uh minorities that were that were conservative I don't and, know if and, there was any.
2: And, and the other way, because I, other than like Chris Long, okay, who obviously is, you know, very out there on this stuff, like, I, you know, when I encountered. I, I
1: don't know. I, I don't think it's, I think it's 70, 30 or something like that. The other okay. way, I, I don't think it's as, um, I don't think it's like 90, 10 or anything. There, there's, I definitely, I mean, I have a lot of friends um, uh, who played, for, shoot, most of my Texans teammates, excuse me, my, my Texans teammates, I would say sort of the white guys that i hung out with um i would say those guys are probably split 50 50 really uh, if not even more liberal yeah but you know i mean that's that was that team you know and all those guys got along really really well and and uh so yeah i mean it wasn't it definitely wasn't uh you know all liberal guys by any means but it was probably more 50 50 dolphins i would say yeah it was probably like 80 20 or something like that but you know like zach thomas and i would talk about he was conservative he's from texas and he was conservative and but you know he and i really enjoyed talking politics together uh talking about you know war i feel like this was you know when bush was the president and obviously his guy from texas and the iraq war and all that stuff and 9 11 and and uh yeah and and that's, so yeah i, I some guys like talking politics and some did zach really enjoyed it i think everyone like learning different uh, 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 aspects from, you know, the other guys who are again from, you know, raised differently and from different parts of the country, but you knew in your heart, you know, that Zach was a great guy, right? I mean, he was just, as I said, he was super authentic. He worked his tail off. He'd have done anything for you. When a guy literally, you know, basically puts his life on the line for you, you know, it's, you, you can have a conversation with those guys. It's the people who don't give a shit about you at all. That you can't talk to
2: but hasn't that changed because uh, you know the way i look at the political discourse like i mean you could have policy debates about again the iraq war okay you could not like bush you could believe he was run by cheney you could you could not like obama you could not like clinton you could not like okay you could you could have supported obama over mccain or vice versa or obama romney i feel like this is different though like i i mean this is i mean those were were just disagreements um about where the country should go what it should do in foreign policy what it should do domestically what it should do about taxes like I feel like this is a debate about like whether it's okay to call NFL players SOBs or whether it's okay to call Mexicans race rapists or Muslims terrorists or it just it, this feels different. I just I wonder like what it would be like in an NFL locker room now because if you're on one side of the spectrum or another, like if you're if you're playing with somebody who you know, I mean, let's say let's say you're a a progressive or liberal African American player, okay and you're playing with someone who is openly
1: maga okay is
2: is a big trump supporter
1: yeah richie incognito
2: okay or there's something a, like that right there's an example okay and you're playing with somebody like that and you know trump comes out the night before and says something that's it is like you said uh, ambiguously it might be a kind way of putting it but leans calling
1: ways, maxine waters low iq or calling every black guy a thief or right something
2: or, like right that. or calling lebron james uh, dumb okay and i covered lebron for five years every day home and road okay there uh, lebron may be a lot of things to a lot of people he is not dumb okay he has the best recall of any person i've ever been around in my life okay like and if there's ever a criticism of lebron it's that he's too manipulative about things like not that he's unaware. Okay. But that he's, you know, sometimes manipulating and this is going on with the Lakers now with Luke Walton again and all the rest of it. It's not that he's a dumb human being. LeBron is not a dumb human being by any means. And the team that I covered, the, the heat teams, were the most intelligent teams and I covered all the sports. Okay. The most intelligent teams I ever covered were those heat teams when you had guys like Chris Bosh and Ray Allen and James Jones and LeBron James and, you know, on and on and on, you know, with, with that particular group. So I guess if you're in a locker room and you're an African-American player and you're playing with someone who's got, you know, Trump stickers on the back of his pickup, how do you, how does that work in a locker room these days?
1: I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. I'm, I'm not in that, those locker rooms, you know, really anymore. And I don't it's it's it was never this severe. You know, I I retired in 2012 and it was never this um nuts. And uh so I don't know, I don't even know how that would that would work, to be honest with you. And I'm sure that's why, you know, most coaches basically say no politics uh in the locker room. I don't want people discussing, I want any arguments about it, and yada, 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 or at least like we can't have any arguments about it because you know, stuff gets heated and what you said. You know, Trump says some absurd things like calling LeBron James, who literally just like whatever built the school or is funding a school or whatever that whole situation is. And like, but he said something bad about Trump and he just, you you have to attack. If somebody says anything bad about you, you have to call them a terrible person in some way. And for me, that's what's hard is that people don't, I don't know how like a Richie Incognito doesn't see that. Like, how can you how can you allow that? How can you be okay with that? You know, just that bullying mentality. And, uh, you know, my well, guess he, he is he kind that,
0: of has a bullying thing, doesn't he?
1: It's a, yeah, there's a bullying <laughs> thing. And people that like to bully don't mind it when other people bully. That's the way, that's how you get your way. Or when people challenge you, you just bully them back and use whatever leverage you have and you attack somebody else's weaknesses. All right. You try to make them look like their opinion has no value. Right. I mean, the national anthem. To by the way, the national anthem thing to me uh, is of uh, trying to basically call people unpatriotic or un-American. Once you once somebody is deemed unpatriotic or un-American, their 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 opinion doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. Why would I believe anybody that is unpatriotic or doesn't love this country? That's what that's all about. So the opinion of the criminal justice system is, is messed up, or racism still uh, does exist in this country. That has no value because you don't love America. So why should I listen to you? That's what that sort of you know bully thing is about. And uh, to me, it's 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 gross.
0: I guess, uh, I, and I can understand why a coach would not want it in the locker room because. Isn't the sort of further polarization of all this that there would be, as as we describe, MAGA teammates? Uh, because it's not just that they're you're on opposite ends of the political spectrum. Is that it's almost I disagree. Like I I hear this all the time as it relates to uh, gay rights issues, where it's I don't agree with your lifestyle, right? And that and that's and that's sort of the language with which it's discussed. Well, if sort of the if one philosophy is not just I disagree with you, but I don't acknowledge your viewpoint and I think that you know you're like the it, the whole idea is you should be fired because of your stance. How can those two people coexist in the same work environment and wouldn't that sow discord?
1: Yeah, no, I'm I'm sure that it would be a huge problem if people are talking about in the lunchroom as much as I talk about with, you know, my random buddies uh you know, when I have lunch with them or whatever, it's it's a totally different situation. By the way, on top of it, coaches. Coaches, I definitely are white coaches are I would say much more conservative, uh, even more conservative than players, um, which, which I find interesting because coaches are all about leadership. Uh, the well, you can do a whole podcast on leadership of coaches and how it's the opposite of what Donald Trump does. In every possible way of a team, of a big group of people that are doing ones on one side and ones on the other side. And your job is to make the whole thing go as good as possible. And that's that's why that's what a coach is, a leader. Trump does everything the opposite of what Tom Coughlin would do, of what even even what Belichick would do. All right. He does the opposite of what those. And that's what's even more confusing. Is This is what these guys do. And his, Trump's leadership skills are like anti-leadership skills. It's actually how to, you know, uh, tear a freaking team apart, which is what he's doing with our country is tearing it apart.
2: Yeah. Well, see, I, I was going to get to coaches with you because to me, that's the next thing, because I, I agree with you. I think coaches are, my, and it's funny, I've kind of come across There's a couple former dolphins who I'm friends with on Facebook and they're very, very conservative. Okay. But, but I'm friendly with them. Okay. And they're, they're, you know, they're both white, not surprising. OK, in that regard. Um, but they have. So sometimes I'll get into it with them a little bit on Facebook, but it's friendly because I've known these guys. I cover these guys. And but there are coaches, former Dolphins coaches who they're friends with. And I've ended up getting into it with <laughs> guys I covered like and I will say this Sage, they're all offensive line coaches. I, I, you know, I, I don't think that's a coincidence either, but I, I end up getting into it. And one of them. I mean, basically used, I mean, a version of the N-word, okay, in, in a in a reply to me. And I'm thinking, I covered this guy for five years, okay? And he had black offensive linemen on his unit. And so I kind of went back at him. I'm like, so I said to, and I'm not going to say the first name, but I, it started with a P. I said, what do you really mean by that, okay? And he's like, oh, don't start branding me a racist. But it was very clear From what he said that what he meant and I'm thinking to myself, man, I covered at least, you know, three African-American offensive linemen during my time when he was the offensive line coach there. And so I do wonder, you know, like you said, because I, I do think that with coaches, there is much more of a tendency to go that direction. But you're right. The whole It's all antithetical. And the NFL to me is fascinating in this regard, right? Because conservatives hate socialism, right? The NFL is a socialist league, okay? The NBA is not as much. Major League Baseball is not at all, right? Major League Baseball does not have a salary cap. But the NFL, it's revenue sharing, it's salary cap, the whole premise of the entire league. It's parity, right? It's making sure that the lower teams have a chance. By the, way,
1: the, by the way the military is the most socialist thing we have in this country right and right it, and it's, you know it's run to a freaking T and you know yada 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 so
2: yeah yeah and 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 with the nfl it is it is really i mean it, the whole premise is socialism the, the whole damn thing i mean the nba is much more individualistic okay than the nfl is the by NFL, the
1: way and yet and yet by the way the dallas cowboys are still worth the most right mm-hmm. i mean it's not like everyone's just making the same amount of money, in a sense, as far as the two people who own the league. I mean, there's definitely winners and losers and people who win more than others uh, because of sort of that pre-designed social socialism structure of how the league works.
2: But that, I think, is why, you know, again, I think NFL fans uh, were kind of an easy target for sort of this campaign about the kneeling because – you know, I, clearly, I mean, first thing, Trump has a vendetta against the NFL. We we discussed that with Jeff Perlman, who wrote a really fascinating book about the USFL and Trump's involvement in it, and kind of why he, how he did the same thing to the USFL that he's doing to the country right now. But uh, so, I, I think that's part of it. it's a vendetta. You know, and even recently, they wouldn't let him buy the bills and all the rest of that. But also, again, the NFL fan base is more conservative than than the NBA fan base, and even than the MLB fan base. And so, it was kind of an easy target to push this agenda. And what's been interesting to me, not just the Kaepernick thing, but the whole thing about well, NFL ratings are weighed down, right? They've recovered this year, and you haven't heard a peep from the president, right? Like, I mean, NFL ratings are back up. Okay, they're not quite where they were but they've gone up this year and meanwhile nascar and chris and i have talked about this in the pod nascar which is the most conservative of all the if you want to call it a sport of all the sports okay and nascar ratings are in the toilet okay i mean they they can't sell races out they they're 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 struggling Uh, to me sage there never was a correlation between the kneeling because for me for every fan who tuned it out okay for the, because they were upset about the players kneeling, there were other fans who may have been tuning it out because they weren't happy about the way the Kaepernick was treated. So, I, I just, I, I, to me, the NFL became politicized. And in my view, it didn't need to be.
1: W- would you agree with that? Yeah. I, I think Trump finds issues with people, and he's doing it right now with the caravan. And it's what can I do to try to divide people? Because it's the divide and conquer. Uh, a philosophy. That's how he feels like he's going to win this thing is divide our country so we can basically conquer it. And I think that's the thing with the kneeling uh, deal is you know how can I divide uh, you know people and and have strong opinions opinions about it? And for whatever reason, there's a there's a, 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 a what would you call it? A sort of made up stance or a made up uh, I don't know if it's I would call it propaganda. But that conservatives appreciate the military more than liberals or or they they think it's more valuable it's more important or whatever it might be there's this stance there and so uh if you kneel for a certain reason which by the way uh um was told by a navy uh no, was an army ranger nate boyer um to do that out of respect for the troops um, but, you know, yeah, there's a, uh, if you try to turn it into this thing that it's not, you can help divide the country and, you know, make this one side again, look anti-military, again, anti, uh, uh, anti-American, anti unpatriotic, the military, patriot. what is patriotism? You know, do, do you have to absolutely think the military is infallible, infallible to think this country is great or to be a patriot or, uh, you know, or to whatever? And I think he finds these issues in the military thing, is that's one of them, is to basically, I can divide it and Republicans will win on it because I can try to make the other side look bad, look un-American, and we'll win the conversation.
2: Do you think uh, – and then I want to get to a, a, the real important question, which is why you dressed up as a Teletubby on Halloween. Uh, but uh, the d- do you think that uh, – just let's look at LeBron real quick here. Do you think that he has ultimately enhanced his public profile and legacy by doing what he's doing? And do you think it's made some, and Jordan is always the natural foil to this, right? Because he didn't do it. Tiger doesn't do it uh, and all the rest of it. Do you think it's made them look somehow worse in, in comparison because they have not decided to step out as an athlete?
1: I think uh, they've decided that it, it hurts their bottom line, and that's really important to them. Uh and LeBron um <coughs> he'll either profit or he'll lose money because of what he is doing. But my guess is he probably sort of has a thing of again sir you know, he wants to sleep well at night. This is important to him. Uh he might it might help his brand but hurt his his pocket and he's okay with that. He has FU money. Um you know, 10,000 times more than the whatever FU money that I have uh right. but he, he can do that uh where that works for him and what jordan's doing works for him uh if i was in one of those two guys' spots i would do what lebron is doing or try to what lebron is doing um uh and that's again that's that's how i was raised that's how i uh that's what what drives me every day to go out there and try to do you know be who i am and and do good things and 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 be a patriot um, and Jordan decides to, that's, he feels like he does what he wants to do. So not everybody is driven by money. And I also sort of know, like I, I made my money. I'm not going to go out and you know what? sell. I'm going to sell Sage Rosenfeld's you know, socks or like, what am I going to shoot? Like, what am I going to sell here? You know, that I'm going to make a bunch of money off it. Some guys think that's really important. And other guys like myself, it's, it's, you know, my money was already made when I was during my playing days.
2: All right. Tell tubby why why did you go as a Teletubby on Halloween?
1: Well, first that's that's two years in a row. I bought that a couple years ago. Uh, so it's it basically last. it's still fit. What do you mean it still fits? I I'm, I'm in pretty decent shape. No, I'm no, I'm saying like,
0: like you you wore it again because it's you you know it's still serviceable.
1: Because I'm a cheap bastard and why the hell would I go out and buy another $75 Halloween outfit when this was you, you just hell told hell us this earlier this you would fuck you money. <laughs> yeah because i don't spend a a gazillion dollars a year you know what i mean like some comes in some comes out you gotta make you always gotta make sure there's less going out than there's coming in
2: and that's the way to close all right so good (laughs) good luck to you um fighting steve king on tuesday hopefully we can do this with you again and see we got through an entire game I'm excuse me. We got through an entire podcast without asking you to evaluate Brock Osweiler, Ryan Tannehill.
1: So, so I, I'll were, give you my one Brock Osweiler. Can I give you my Brock Osweiler? Yes. And I this was. this is my point on him when he had a they have a good game like last game or two weeks ago, a couple weeks ago or so something was like Chicago, that. Chicago, yeah. Chicago game. Chicago. Did you see what he was wearing after the game in Chicago for the press conference? Do you remember what his outfit was?
2: I was at he, that game. I'm trying to remember. It was uh it was fairly casual, wasn't it? It was like a it t-shirt and shorts. Was
1: t-shirt. It? He's wearing a gray t-shirt. All right, now that's my style. Jeans and a gray t-shirt. When he was a Texans quarterback, he wore these sort of like douchey country club blazer <laughs> sort of, you know, <laughs> smoker's jacket things. And I'm like, who is this guy? Like, what has he done? You know, is he hanging out with McNair at the country club? So I, I, my thought was like, oh, he sort of became a guy's guy. You're like, now he's just a simple guy. He, he's made his money. Like you're Like, why do I have to? You know, dress up or whatever. I'm just a backup quarterback for the Dolphins, and all of a sudden he's playing better. So obviously he didn't play the better uh, uh, today, though.
2: No, well they won, right? I mean they 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 won. He didn't have an offensive touchdown. Are you a fan of the Philip Rivers bolo ties? On that note,
1: uh, I like I like when guys do do them. Do you go do your deal? That's what I like. I got like guys and go. You know, people go do their thing. I don't like when guys try too hard. That's my thing. Like you know, like if you're trying like just today the uh, the Michael Thomas touchdown with the phone thing don't try too hard it just never never goes well i think for anybody it makes you not, you don't have to try too hard so uh, Philip Rivers the Bolo thing that is him and i'm happy he does him
2: all right well and Philip Rivers also has uh, 65 children to feed so uh, he he definitely needs an endorsement uh, with Bolo Ties all right follow him at Sage rosenfels 18 Uh, Follow him on the campaign trail in Iowa until Tuesday. Hopefully, we will do this with you again, sir. We always appreciate your opinions.
1: I'm hoping that there's time to do it before the world blows up next time. So you know, (laughs) hopefully, there's (laughs) we got more than a year. Shit. (laughs) (laughs) Call me next year, and we can talk about how Derek Carr is as the quarterback of the Miami Dolphins.
2: Ah, see, tease. That's a that's a podcast tease. All right, with that, you're gone. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Fire in the Podcast. Thank
1: you so much. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac burger, McNuggets or McCrispy sandwich. But you're the Fileo
0: fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it every time.